This episode of the Inside Running Podcast is proudly sponsored by our locals at Ernie Old. Head over to ernieold.com for quality running apparel made right here in Australia. Welcome to episode number 257 of the Inside Running Podcast. Thank you for joining us for another week. Big weekend of running to talk about in this episode. We've got Melbourne Marathon to talk about. We've got the London Marathon to talk about that happened yesterday. And um, I think that's all we've got in running news this week, but I'm sure we'll be banging on about that stuff for a while. We are going to have a bit of a quicker show than usual because we've got our audio from the live show yesterday to include at the back of the episode. So, um, the audio quality won't be as good as what we're recording at right now, but I'm sure people will still enjoy it with a bit of an interview with Matt Clark there as well. Welcome to my co-host up in Canberra, Bradley Croker. How are you going tonight? Thanks, Brady. I'm uh, looking forward to hearing the live show, given I wasn't there. Your name came up a few times too, didn't it, Moose? Ripped into him a couple of times. Did we get into him? We got yeah, him. Yeah, could have gone harder. Could have gone harder. I think always... mostly from the audience just saying how good it was just to have some... Uh... Just the younger fellas on the show. <laughs> it's always easy to rip into somebody when they're not there. Would have been nice for you to make an effort and come down, Croaks. Did you regret it? Um, a little bit. I felt sorry for you boys in that last couple of hours trying to uh, trying to replace me mm. after Sinead pulled out. Yeah, well, we did have you replaced until uh, that morning. We thought we were all kind of set, but we talk about that in their live show audio. We'll get to that a bit later on. My other co-host, I think he's back down in Anglesey. He was in Melbourne yesterday. Julian Spence, how you going? Mate, I'm tired. Oh, yes. Hey, you I had a birthday am. party today as well. Well, not a party, but I was sick all day. I had this, like, stomach cramp. And, yeah, I, it only came good about 4 o'clock, I reckon. It was it was rough. It was Pierre's birthday, so um, I had to be up and about even when I was sick. Too many hey, moons did you break, you reckon? Did you break your rule of uh, wishing people happy birthdays? Did you wish Pia a happy birthday? Because I know, I know wishing happy birthdays isn't your thing. I did, no, I did wish Pia a happy birthday, even sang her a song. Um, That's nice. So that was fun. Well, man. Yeah. I, what else did we do? Went out and visited the, some farms, just like drove around the farming area and, and showed her some, um, some cows. Uh, and I did the, the, like called the cows in. And they all came from all over the paddock and um, surrounded surrounded us. That was pretty fun. Saw a tiger snake. That was also fun. Patted a horse. So just a great day for Pierre. First birthday. Time flies, doesn't it? 
this time last mm. year talking about um you know childbirthing stories oh mate this time last year we just put that out of our minds forever i think forget, <laughs> forget until, the next, until the next one comes moose um yeah it, well no no comment Ooh, okay Ooh. wow well, no no there'll be some news in the next couple of weeks croaks i reckon I, I reckon i reckon <laughs> i had it here first at all <laughs> Uh, well, boys, we will quickly do our recaps, then we're going to jump straight to running news and then go to the audio because every other segment's in the audio at the end there. So, Croaks, tell us about what you're doing up there. You've come good by the looks of things. Strava is looking pretty healthy. Mm, yeah, so on paper, it's looking better. Um, body's not amazing, um, but we'll get to that. So, uh, 4.14s for an hour on the Monday. Uh, Tuesday, I met up with Rob, uh, one of the guys that I coached. Uh, and we did a hill session. Uh, so the session was two sets of seven 45-second hills. Um, we're taking about 70 seconds recovery between the hills. And after seven, we took a three-minute break. Um, so that was pretty good. Like I ran the first set, uh, you know, pretty close to him. So that was, you know, quite comfortable. And then I picked up a bit the second set. So, um, yeah, I was, I was happy with how that felt. Um, pissed down with rain like thunderstorm just as we started cooling down uh then wednesday uh because we've had so much rain i um decided just to run from home on the bike paths so 90 minutes uh wednesday afternoon 403s um like it's pretty solid run didn't feel great i've just had this uh like i'm not locked like i was you know in the last year couple of years but my back just feels really tight and jammed, almost like every time my foot hits the ground, I feel like my back's like jarred or jarring. And it's just um, like, it's not affecting my, it's not affecting my stride so much, but it's just, yeah, I just don't feel as, as efficient as I was in the lead up to Gold Coast or even post Gold Coast. So it's really just been a thing since coming off this last break of um, after the pneumonia. Uh, ran on the bike path again on when uh, on Thursday, um, just because of how much rain we've had. So that was 4.14s for 45 minutes. Treadmill session on the Friday. Uh, this didn't feel too bad, actually. So I just did my six-minute session again. Uh, the previous week, I did four reps. This time, I did five reps. Uh, heart rate was a little bit lower than the previous week. So that was a good sign. And then Saturday was an hour for 14s. And then Sunday, um, two hours, pretty much the same loop that I did the previous week at 4.04s. So uh, I was about 8K into my run and Rory Hunter and Josh Johnson were heading back the other way. So I joined them for probably close to 10K um, and then finished off the run around sort of Yerribee Pond. So it was a week of 124.8K, which is about... 10k more than the week before um just got to try and just get this back this back sorted like it's not it's nothing major but it's just um yeah it's just making the running a bit harder than it should be you got yeah. some treatment lined up i know but i probably should yeah so i should go and get some get in there croaks i've been doing lots of like self self treatment like ma- massage gun and stretching and that sort of stuff so um yeah i think i think i can get on top of it yeah moose what have you been doing well yeah i had a the race week i guess so um pretty typical race week lately i just treated it like it was a more like a cross-country race 
Um, so, yeah, I got out on, again, just Monday, just for a, a bit bit of a longer jog because I, what did I do? I had the Sunday easy or something like that. Um, so I ran 53 minutes. Jeez, that's sad that I call that a longer jog right now, but <laughs> that's what it is. Uh, so 11.5K. Um, next day, yeah, again, 40 minutes. I think I did some surges in this run. I uh, did a workout on the Wednesday, 10 by minute hard, minute jog. So 20 minutes sort of fartlek. And, yeah, I thought that I was going a bit faster than what I was for this one, which was disappointing when I got back to the phone and saw the splits because it was basically like pretty much a minute as hard as I could go and then a minute jog. And then some of the reps were like 310 pace, <laughs> which, yeah, isn't, isn't very impressive. Uh, it, was, it was kind of – it's not that hard of a workout, actually. It's pretty easy, really. Because the mid, yeah, I like your I like your honesty there, Moose, though, because it's so easy. Like when you you're coming back to like just not give any detail like that and just go, oh yeah, no, that was a pretty easy session, you know, like three minute three minute k's for a minute. I was I was cruising, and then you know for you to say that yeah, it was a bit slower than I thought for the effort that I was putting in. It's good. Well, yeah, I mean, you can't hide really, can you, on Strava? Um, I I would hit the watch. And, oh, no, I had it kind of auto split, so it would auto interval, and it would count down three, two, one. And I was even going before the like the, the gun went, so I had a bit of a moving start, uh, but it still wasn't enough. Um, it, I'm not too fussed about it. It's just nice to be able to get some workouts in at the moment. Um, I'm still like in this honeymoon period after an injury where everything still feels like a bonus. Um, and I'm not getting disappointed with workouts or anything, or I'm not getting greedy. So it's, it, I'm not like, it's all pretty positive still. Uh, I think to that after this weekend where I was involved, like with the event, but not fit enough to be properly involved with it. Now's the time that where I, I, feel, I feel like I want to get some ambition again. Um, or oh, well, I've got the ambition again, driving home. Um, yeah, I'm thinking, okay, like there's two thing, there's two things going on in my mind. One of them is you got to start training more. Like it's time to get going. It's time to run far, like harder, longer. Let's do some more long runs. Workouts need to get harder. And then the second thing is like, no, just play, like be smart, be safe. Like you did a long workout yesterday, just run half an hour today. Uh, and, and at the moment, like the sensible option always wins which is, yeah, it's kind of boring, but um, I just don't feel properly ready. Like like the intuition says don't push it just yet. So one, it, it might come back maybe as the weather gets warmer. We'll see. Uh, but, yeah, I just jogged. I ran the next day 40 minutes um, from my mum's house. So we ran, I ran just down out and back on a, on a dirt road got going i think i i don't know what i had in my ears that day but i was i was pushing a bit faster and harder than normal i must have had something good in there maybe the christian interview talked about his race could be that actually that was on the thursday maybe that was it could have been yeah that's a bit of chumble bit of chumbawamba chumbawamba yeah no i like the leading song what was that len still my sunshine 
Yeah, <laughs> it's a I classic, didn't, isn't it? I didn't know the band. That's the only song they've got, so I'm surprised. Yeah, I'm not surprised you didn't know the band. What was the um? What was like the? Is it because he was positive? Is that why you picked that? No, I just, it just come on my iPod that morning, and I'm just like, this is oh. a great song. I'm gonna put on the starter road to um mm. Berlin. Yeah, I was trying to find the relevance. Berlin did not steal his sunshine. <laughs> He's bouncing back. Yeah, as the as the end song suggests. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, jogged again on Friday on Saturday morning, and then yeah, went to work Saturday. Had a big day. Head store kind of was a bit cooked after that. Drove to Melbourne and um, stayed in the stayed in a hotel, like a really nice hotel, but five star croaks. He told me five star. Yeah. Are you, so, are you surprised though, Brady? No. Nothing but the best. Hey, Ali picked this. Ali picked this. This was a business trip. She gave me the all clear. She also took a room there. Um, but no, we, it was one. It was like a studio room, so there wasn't a bedroom like separate. And so Pierre goes down at like seven, seven thirty, pitch black, white noise, like blaring. I'm like, oh, I guess we're going to bed now too, because um, what else are you going to do? You can't put the TV on. You can't have any lights on. It's pretty much just lights out. And so I woke up like three hours later, thinking that it was morning, and I look at the clock and it said ten thirty p.m. I'm like, oh boy, this is going to be a long night. Then how many times did you Google, like, Melbourne time now when you woke up throughout the night? <laughs> I did that. So many listeners would have done that with daylight savings. It's like, yeah, my yeah. phone says it's 4 a.m., but is it really 4 a.m., or has my phone not changed yet? Or yeah, there would have been some people having nightmares Saturday well, night. Yeah. I knew if there, was gonna, if there was light coming through the window, I was in a lot of trouble. I missed it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I had a terrible sleep, but mainly because of that too. Um, so... Yep, in the end, um, 70-something K, 72K for the week, which is nearly on my record for the moment, maybe second off since I came back. Anyway. So why was... not go for the downgrade to the four-star but the two bedrooms? No, there was nothing that left. So it was very difficult to get a room. And in the end, um, we wanted kings. So, like, Ali, she said, I don't want to be – I don't want anything less than a king bed. So she, <laughs> <laughs> I may have also said that. Um, so there are a few queen beds still left around Melbourne, but there was only a couple of kings, and one of them was at Langham. And I, I'd, I'd, I'd got word of the breakfast there. It was pretty spectacular. So it was, we went to it uh, after, like, we went around and watched the race. $70 for the breakfast and worth it. So, like, every sort of cuisine there but perfectly cooked everything, fresh everything. They had a chocolate fountain. I like, I had a breakfast dessert, so I went up, got chocolate ice cream, waffles, chocolate fountain. There was like Smarties you put along or M&Ms you put on. It was- No wonder you got a crook gus. Yeah. Talking about a crook gus yeah, today. No. I'm just I enjoying the like, other half of croaks. This is what it must be like. You know yeah. what I had for breakfast after the race moves? Complex. I had a uh, $1 slushy from 7 and 11 and a Mars bar. That's what the nearest thing I was when I walked back to my car. Well, that's just not, mate, you walked through the city of Melbourne. I went the other way. I was going up. the other side. My car was then in What the, other um, side? There, you're East in the Melbourne the side. Jollymont Station. I was going that side. So you're going to tell me there's a cafe in East Melbourne? Oh, well, it probably is. But this is a blue collar in me, mate. Yeah, that, that's the thing. I, I reckon there's a bit in sugar. there. 
there's a bit in this. Moose, you are so far removed from being blue collar these mm. days, and it's really showing in your running as well. <laughs> get, get back to blue collar, and I reckon you'll you'll run two thirteen. Mm. Yeah, I don't think too many luxuries in life. You don't see Kip Joe, you doing this. Get out of the Langham and get back into a bloody I don't know. <laughs> is that is that, is that a good um like is that have you heard of that before Croaks that hotel? Oh, I've heard of it. Yeah. Okay, that is yeah, that's his name dropping. I'd never heard of it, and I wasn't sure if it was a thing or not. Well, I'd never stayed there before. Um, it's not helping you, Moose. It's not helping you at all. Yeah, I don't think it fixes arthritis being blue collar. I don't think staying in shit hotels helps, like bone on bone, uh, patella on whatever femur. I wish it did, but um, unfortunately, that's, I don't think that is the main issue with my running right now. Maybe you need um, a training camp, go off the grid somewhere for just oh, two and a half, three weeks. Rocky Four, yeah. take, take Pierre to Kenya. No, no, go somewhere different. Go to Morocco. Go somewhere like way out. Like, you know, there's altitude in Morocco. Mm. And somewhere the is, testing isn't great. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm thinking. I could probably, you know what, I could make my arthritis go away with some good growth hormone. And in Mexico, there's stem cell or something like that. You would feel good on Panama. that stuff. As a 40 year old croaks, you would love a bit of this, I reckon. My body's pretty good. I don't have any. I don't have any bloody ligament cartilage issues. It doesn't matter. It would still recover. Like, you'd run your Sunday long run pace, like, every day. <laughs> I pretty much do. Yeah, yeah but you'd do 30K every day. <laughs> yeah. It would be the uh, dream, I reckon. All right. Tell us about yeah. your week, Brady. 70 minutes in the morning for me Monday and uh, 35 minutes in the afternoon. Tuesday, I did a workout. Kenyan fartlek. Uh, two minutes on, one minute float, times 15, so 45 minutes in total. It's kind of hovering around 3.07 pace for the ons and 3.35 pace for the offs. A long, a long fart, like 45 minutes. I was kind of pretty over at about 27, 28 minutes in, so kind of had to keep the mind switched on. One of those ones where the pace just gets harder. Like you got the brakes on for probably the first four or five and you're kind of hitting 3.07s, no worries. And then the longer you go, the harder it is to hold that pace and the brakes aren't on anymore. So I was happy with that. It was like 14K at 3.14s in the end, so a nice little workout. Um, keeping in mind that I was doing my longer workout at Melbourne later in the week, so I wanted to do something shorter and a bit quicker pace on the Tuesday. Got out for 35 minutes in the afternoon in the Arvo. Uh, two hours Wednesday at 4.11s. Got out on the um, this big loop out Thyra Road, come back in which was nice to be able to get a kind of like two-hour loop going. Got chased by a, um, what kind of jog, dog you got, Moose? German Shepherd. Yeah. For, like, in my own in my own world. I was actually listening to your mates on that new podcast you recommended the other week, Bromley oh, yeah. Lynch. Yeah. I was listening to their episode with um, Jack Post, and I'm just minding my own business on this bike path. This German Shepherd's just, like, ran straight across the road. Like, this is, like, massive country <laughs> road. Ran from a farmhouse. And I've only noticed it when it's like crossed the road and got really close to me. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, I was like, this thing is going to kill me. Like just had one second to react, kind of just like ran off the footpath a bit. Had a bit of a like, you know, a bit of an ah kind of yell at it to try and scare it off. And then there was a tradie in the house that it come from. And he's like yelling at me like, mate, it won't hurt you, but it's a stupid dog. We're trying to get hold of the owners at the moment because I think they were trying to do some work on this house oh, and right. couldn't get in to do work on the house. And this dog's running amok, um, which is pretty like it's a 100K zone the road it crossed. Like it was lucky it didn't get 
get skittled because um, yeah, it comes straight across for me. So I reckon if you wanted to look through at my um, graph, you'd see where my pace picked up for about 10 seconds there when I tried to get away from it. But I would have been in trouble if it was if it was aggressive. Anyway, 30 minutes in the afternoon after that one. 16K in the morning on, I think I'm up to Thursday. 8K in the afternoon Thursday. Then uh, Friday, I went and did some hill strides. First, I warmed up for like 30 minutes. You know that scenic drive where we ran around Croaks, me and you that time, next to the river, that path? Yeah. It's underwater. Yep. Well, most of it's underwater. The river's high, boys. It's only going to get higher once the snow starts melting. So, um, yeah, we're kind of on flood watch up here. I know, I think I've talked about this the last couple of weeks. Might be filling sandbags soon. So, um, yeah, that's our main kind of um, main tracks underwater. So that's pretty significant. And then I did... Uh, 10 by 20 second hills just up the new ramp on the new bridge so uh and that, that was that was okay like it i was kind of thinking oh this would be easy 20 seconds over pretty quick but after the 10th one i was pretty glad that the workout was over like i wouldn't say it was like workout exhaustion but um i definitely felt like i'd done something for 20 minutes and pretty like trying to make them pretty explosive pretty much flat hacker for the for the whole 20 seconds and not a huge hill but enough that you're you're definitely climbing so um that was good i might do that a bit more often instead of just like straight strides do some hills you uh, should do some some actual workouts on that yeah well it probably goes for hmm yeah probably yeah you could probably get maybe 70 seconds out of it yeah that's enough yeah that's, you that's mean like easy. longer tempos and stuff no, no, I mean like repeats. Oh, yeah, yeah, longer hills. Because you can also, there's a couple of rollers afterwards. Like you could almost do 3K of like 3K out, 3K back. And you could do like a solid, you know, if you had to do a 12 or 6K tempo, that would be worth doing. How um, much climbing would there be in that yeah. 6K, you think? I don't know. Not not massive. But like what were the the hills? So like 10 by 20 seconds got me 55 metres. So I suppose that's okay. That's decent, yeah. Yeah, like um, so yeah. Considering it's only a short amount of time, um, I might yeah, I might put it on and just go over it. So that was that. Um, jogged easy in the afternoon Friday, then just one run Saturday before I went to Melbourne. It was beautiful weather though. Just enjoyed this one, mm-hmm. and then um, yeah, went to Melbourne for the pace job, which you can hear about my recount in the live show at the end here. So that was a uh, hundred ninety one point five k. A good two weeks of training on school holidays. I forgot to tell you how many Ks around last week, boys, and I cracked 200. It was 204 Ooh. last week and 191 this week. So, um, On purpose? Yeah, I wanted to try and hit high mileage because I was on school holidays. Remember he said he was going to try and hit two weeks at 200 while I was on holidays? Mm, or yeah. he tuned out. What about a lot? Yeah, I didn't really then. listen to that. But that's a talk about me having a good life. How do you have time to do that? Well, He's I, fit, Moose. He's fit. I also thought I was just like, um, I actually wanted to know, because I think I'd never run 200K before, but I was like, we often say that the pro guys don't do enough mileage. Like, it's one of our things, like, should they do higher mileage? So I'm like, oh, I wonder what, what doing 200K does feel like. And when I say I was on school holidays, like, I still, well, I wasn't on inside running holidays or run to PB holidays or, like, parenting holidays. Like, I still had a bit going on in my life. But, and I know it's different when you do two weeks of it compared to, you know, 20 weeks of it. But it actually, it didn't feel that hard. Mm, probably, that's good. Probably got to stress in three weeks. Well, I wasn't walking around fatigued or anything like that. But um, 
yeah. Well, it's not like you don't have history of running miles. I know, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, it was just a bit of an interesting thing, but, yeah, Lifestyle won't be, uh, won't be doing that in the next couple of weeks. Anyway, boys, we're going to skip the Patreon thanks tonight because because I haven't researched patrons because we've been busy in Melbourne over the weekend. But I do say a very nice thank you to our patron supporters at the start of the live show audio. And we're going to skip straight to running news. We'll go London first. Brett Robinson, our man. Been talking about him on this show for years, what he's going to run for the marathon. And he got one on the board. He got a good one on the board. He became the sixth Australian to go sub 210. He ran 209.52, which was a PB by 63 seconds. He moves from the 12th fastest to the 6th fastest Australian of all time. And it's the fastest Australian marathon for 19 years. He came 8th place at the London Marathon and uh, is the 9th Australian London Marathon top 10 in the last 30 years, going by these notes here from Dave Tarbottom. So it was good, good to see. He went through half in 64.27. And then I got concerned because 25 to 30, he was averaging 315k pace. So he went through that 5K in um, 16.11. And I thought he was in a bit of trouble. But then he pulled it back and pretty much averaged like 305, 306s all the way to 40K and then closed the last 2.2K in three-minute K pace. So good to see that happen. Good to see another Australian under that 2.10. So who's that? Like Deke, Mona, Derek Clayton, Pat Troopy, and Pat Troopy. Carroll. Yeah. Didn't... Um, oh, uh, camp, he he just missed it, didn't he? Just missed it. Brad Crichton camp? Just, Crichton's just missed it. Crichton's run like two ten twenty. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's a few. There's a fair few in the two tens. Yeah. Okay. Yep. What do you think, Croaks? Nick Harrison in the two tens. Nick Harrison. Yeah. Yep. He's run the same time as Crichton. Yeah. To the second. To the second. Yeah. Um, yeah so I didn't first? watch. I didn't watch the race, but I was following the splits, and so when I saw um, Brett and Ed Goddard together sort of through halfway like personally I thought you know Brett should be able to like for a guy that's broken 60 minutes for a half like 64 through halfway or 64 and a half you know it should feel pretty comfortable it certainly should feel more comfortable for him than what it would for Ed um but then I was the same as you when I saw the split of you know basically him running three 12s or whatever for that 5k i'm like oh here we go you know it's going to you know you don't see many people come back from that and then he started to pick it up and he was running back to like uh mid mid 15 minute 5k so back to like 306s and then you knew that so I, i'd heard an interview after the race and he basically said that he still had stomach issues but rather so what he did was when he felt it come on he just dialed it right back and almost treated it like a training session where that was the recovery part, hoping that it would just settle down. And he said he tried to change his breathing a little bit um, and it obviously did improve. He said he still felt it, you know, all the way to the finish line, but it was manageable to the point that he could still, you know, run low three-minute Ks. So um, it's pretty impressive running, like to be able to recover and then get back to pretty much, you know, what, 207, 208 marathon pace, which is, you know, probably what he's targeting. Um, it shows that, on the right day, if he can get, you know, if this, you can get on top of this stomach stuff that, yeah, 207 is, is there. Yeah, um, and that makes sense why then he would have got to 40 and being like, okay, go, like roll it again now. Yeah, yeah. Open it uh, up, yeah. Yeah, because like, I'll try and find the, yeah, so I saw Ed, obviously, like, he started to drop time after 
just after half. So he, he was basically running 312s from halfway through to 25K and then 329s from 25 to 30. So you sort of knew that that he was done. Um, and as I said, I thought Brett was going down the same track, but then I saw that he came back with, yeah, like, because he ran a 16.20, I think, Brett. Uh, and 16, then he came 11, back with like and then 15, 16, 11. 37, 15, 16. Yeah. Um, so he's yeah. kind of done the last like 7K as a progression run. He went 308, so 304 is three. Yeah, like that 15-16 from, what, 35 to 40, like that's that's impressive running because, yes, he had a few easy kilometres in there, but, you, like, your legs are still going to be beat up at that mm. point of a marathon. So, um, yeah, it's, you know, he well, one, it was good that he broke 210 because that's obviously a massive barrier, but it should also give him a lot of confidence that he, he, he's got a couple of minutes in him if he doesn't have to slow down. Yeah. It shows a lot of maturity how he handled that, I think. Yeah, I didn't uh, realize that's what happened. That's the neither did that I. Well. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't know that either. In fact, all, all I saw were like the halfway split and the finish split, and so I thought, oh yeah, it's a slight positive split, um, but not too bad. So it's it's funny how the the actual story can it can go a lot deeper than what you see on the um, results page. But Brady, you would have thought you would have thought that was the case though, wouldn't you? Like when you saw that he'd run three fifteens for a five K split, then three oh eights, three oh fours, you're like, well he's had a you would have thought that it's gonna be stomach. I actually thought it was bizarre because I you never yeah. see people come good. Like yeah. when you see a bad split from twenty five to thirty, it's like your race is kind of over. You rarely set and, and I think that's probably what's happened to him in the past. Like, but as you said, the maturity to be like, it's coming, like, let's relax it and like lose some time here to save the race and then come home strong when you're close to the line. Mm-hmm. I think that's a great move. Yeah, I was actually, um, I, yeah, I felt like, oh, poor thing, it's happened again here. And he's, um, you know, it's going to be a, a 16 11, and then we're going to see a 16 30, and then a mm-hmm. 17 30, and he might come in in 211, 212. Shows how efficient he is, though, at, like, that low three-minute kilometre pace. Like, he does seem to be able to just churn that off pretty comfortably. Like, as I said, you know, 304s between 35 and 40K, like, that's that's good running at the end of a marathon, you know, even if you have had, like, you know, an easier 5K. Mm. Yeah, well, your threshold's low 250s. Um, you'd think it would be pretty comfortable. I know it doesn't always translate like that. Mm. Uh, yeah. Winner of the guest, but yeah, no, it's good Mick. to see like oh, sorry, that, that two ten mark. Sorry, yeah, that two ten mark. It's kind of like the ladies' um, two twenty five mark. It's rare to see Australians underneath it, and I mean maybe mm-hmm. the the two ten mark uh, is because it it's significant. We like we've had five for so long, and we've talked about it a lot lately. A lot. Um, I don't know why we talk about that so much, but we do. So what do you think Brett he, he thinks deserves, about it? I don't think that he would consider it a big deal. Yeah, to, was... to be honest. Yeah, I, I think he he knows that he should. He probably doesn't think, "Wow, it's an honor to be there." I reckon he thinks, "Yeah, of course I'm there." Like I've run under sixty for a half. Like mm. yeah. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I was always gonna be there. It was just when, and now it's like, well, how fast am I actually gonna go? Yeah, um, good point. I hadn't thought about that. Double, double your half and 10 minutes is what he's done. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, but he, I mean, just look at all the athletes that are in there. He has the fastest half marathon out of all of them. Does he have the fastest? No, he doesn't. Oh, does he have the fastest 5K? the fastest 5K, I think, sure. Oh, no, Troopy. Oh, Troopy. Yeah, it'd be very close Troopy with Troopy. 13, 10, maybe? 
Nah, yeah, Trippy, was, Trippy was in the teens. Yeah, like Australian mid, record for Yeah, time. I think it was around 13, 15 at that point, though. 13, yeah. 14, maybe. Yeah. Don't think he has the fastest 10, but... Um, or he had that other, he had that decent ten in the Netherlands. But yeah, I mean, he he he's an athlete with the with the credentials to be under there quite easily, and there are advancements now. We know that. Like, geez, we've seen the shoes do enough that there's more nutrition now, and um, obviously he well he had pacemakers three of them, I think, because they were pacing the the front Brit, Gebra Slassie, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Um, so he. Every time I saw him, it was it was Goddard, three paces, and Gebris Lassie, and maybe another one or two people. Um, and then I, I don't know what happened. I think he stayed with one of the paces, like uh, going forward, because just because there are a few flashes of him, because they had the camera on that um, British bloke. Yeah, it didn't see much though. Troopy's got him in both the five and the ten. Oh, does he? Yeah. Yeah, Brett's ran 13.15, Troopy's ran 13.14. Both of them have ran 27.51 for 10K. Brett's 27.51.5, Troopy's 21. Oh, oh hang on. 21. 27.51.2. Yeah, well, that's pretty close. Just because I know Troopy listens, and I don't want to be on the end of a, a mean tweet for getting those stats wrong. <laughs> they, were, um, they were pretty close in the marathon, too, weren't they? Maybe it was 15 seconds or something. Troopy 209 of 49. Yeah, wow. What's that, four seconds? Three seconds. Three seconds. Yeah. Do you know, like I have to say, that I was in a message group, so there's there's actual evidence of this, and I had a bet on with um, the others in the group, and I said, Brett's going to run 209.52, and I've got evidence of that. That is to the second I picked his marathon time. I just can't see why you wouldn't then enter the competition and let everyone see it. Like, if you're that confident about it, why not put an entry in on the Inside Running Podcast Instagram account? You don't enter your own contest? I do. I try to win them all the time. And I was only five seconds off. So I reckon five seconds and in the public forum is better than, like, privately getting it correct. Nah, getting it correct. Getting it correct. I don't don't reckon you should be winning prizes from your own organisation. Why not? I reckon. Try and win it. Mick Mick Slater did win it. He guessed it to the absolute second moose, and he actually put it on the competition. So he won what the competitions. Ed as DNF. Uh, well, Ed's results just didn't get looked at because um, yeah, that got cancelled out the DNF, and then because some people could argue, did anyone predict Ed to DNF? And then Brett, he could look at who then got closest to Brett. Nah, I'm just going whoever got Brett. So, yeah, the Ed Goddard story, though, he um, did go through half in 64.28 and then no split after 35K. But 25 to 30K, he was on 329 pace. And then 30 to 35, um, I think it was even slower than that. I um, I did have that, but I haven't typed that in here correctly. So not... shout, out to, uh, shout out to Jimmy Constantine, who's, um, who's looked after him with a not Ed's day comment. <laughs> <laughs> oh, on the uh, Facebook post, I did see that. Yeah, not Ed's day at the uh, London Marathon. A few of those were going around Strava last night after the Melbourne Marathon results. I think I think people are taking the piss with it now. Well, I love I, it. I don't know who's taking the piss and who's like getting the piss <laughs> taken out of them because you've taken the piss out of them and they've got no idea that it's a thing on a podcast now. It's just I love it now. I think it's great. It's a um, bit of a game as to who is serious and who's not. Yeah. What about uh, Krishna Stanton though? Past guest oh. back on episode number sixty six. 
So if you haven't listened to that episode, go back and have a listen. The uh, 56-year-old now, the 2002 Commonwealth Games silver medalist, she set a new world age best time, 55 to 59. She ran 248.06 for line. That was a good run. That is solid. Very solid. I mean, geez. Uh, I mean, think about Look at the results at Melbourne. Where does that put her? Yeah, would have been up there. Don't have them all in front of me. Nah. Would have been up there. So that was uh, good from Krishna. Um, Great from Krishna. Croaks, we do talk about the Melbourne results in detail later on, but anything that you want to talk about to uh, pick your brain on from a, from a, someone watching it at home? Stream quality yeah. wasn't great, my wife said. Yeah, so I got up. First thing I did was um, so all the athletes I had running, I put them into the tracker, um, knowing that I wouldn't see them on the stream. Uh, jumped on the stream, but I was very disappointed. Like, if I asked you boys, why would people get on? What what, what would people want to see if you're watching a live stream of the Melbourne Running Festival? Like, what would you want to see? The race? Yeah, yeah <laughs> the race. The race. Yeah. You're a pretty diehard so, nerd runner to put that on a Sunday morning. Yeah, so the I think the low light for me was – we're getting towards the business end of the half marathon and the marathon and we weren't seeing any footage we had the two blokes at the finish line interviewing a 10 year old kid who was in the stands who had just run the 10k and they were talking about how it was his birthday and he was looking forward to having quiche for dinner and i'm just like nobody is watching the stream for this like Yes, there's a time and a place for community involvement and activation and all that sort of thing. But, you know, the half marathon and the marathon have like 15 minutes left of running and you're going to this. It's <laughs> it's terrible. And you've got um, Jess Stenson, like winning the thing, and Jack Rayner. Like yeah, two, like, yeah. you know, big names in Australian running. Like they show them crossing the line, but it's just like, you know, things happen in that last 15 minutes. Yeah, so like I didn't see a lot of the race at all. So, so were, there, were there cameras out on bikes on, on the course, were there? Yeah, yeah. So there was footage yeah. of – so you didn't see a lot of the marathon. As soon as the half started, it was pretty much focused all on the half. Um, so not a lot of the marathon. Um, yeah, and then they obviously showed everyone, like all the winners crossing the line, but there wasn't a lot of – quality footage i didn't think did you see much um, of izzy in the marathon uh no not not a lot and to be honest i'd i had left to go for my run before she had finished cracked it i left her oh i just like yeah well you know before she finished you didn't see me finish then i was after her no i didn't see you so, finish <laughs> did you see would have been in the would have been in the car was moose any coverage of moose on moose on the live stream on the two no i didn't group? No, nah, so I didn't watch it from the st- – I watched it – well, I got about bed about 7.20. Seven, yeah, so um, – 7.20? Yeah. yeah. Too hard on them, Crokes, if you haven't watched the whole thing. You can't just expect to turn it on exactly the same time, see what you want to see. Uh, no, I think I've got a fair point when no, you've got – I, I don't. You you've don't got 10 or 15 fast. minutes left of the marathon and the half and you're interviewing a 10-year-old kid in the stands. No, yeah. I think I've got a fair point. What's your thoughts on quiche, though? Uh, I haven't had quiche since I was at boarding school. Yeah. Uh, quiche. What's that kid thinking? <laughs> it's your birthday. Get a fucking pizza, mate. Um, yeah, and the other thing, I always find it fascinating how confusing it is when people go into the MCG. Like, Jack was definitely uh, – so before Jack got into the MCG, he was running up the back of people, and then they have to try and 
you know, get Jack and the marathoners into the right shoot when they come into the MCG. And um, even the guy that won the marathon, like he didn't know where he was going on the MCG, which I think Millie, I think Millie did the same thing last year, like was on the half marathon, like um, map instead of the marathon. So it's a little bit confusing, I think, for some people when they go into the MCG. Yeah, well, Will, I was, you'll hear the story later on, but I was pacing one of Moose's athletes and um, he was fanging for 2.30 and you come in and there were two, yeah, there were two plastic like strips to follow and then a third opening that said marathon that then took you pretty much to the fence line on the grass and when we come in, I was I saw the sign said marathon, so I was going right, and he was fanging it trying to get under two thirty, and he just went straight past the half marathon lady, and um, yeah, went in that way just because he was he didn't even click that he was mm. running this, and it was pretty significant like, difference in distances. Yeah, well, the guy that won and, the guy that won the marathon definitely like got lost on the yeah. MCG, and on the and he had to go back to grass as well. You're just like oh, I don't know why they put the marathoners on the grass and. Yeah, it's yeah. There are a few things that just got to tighten up around that, um, the course. You know, the chaos, I guess, on the course with the hit in the back of the half marathon, and um, yeah, the winners wouldn't know, would they? Did the Kenyans hit any traffic in the half marathon? Race uh, Edwards and that. They no. seem to. They seem to be okay. They seem to be better. But like, I guess where you're coming in, like two two hours thirty. Anybody slower than two hours thirty for the marathon? Say say two hours thirty to three hours. They're finishing with the ninety to two hour half marathons, and there's like there's a lot in that ninety minutes to two hours in a half marathon, and there's also quite a few in between two and a half and three hours for the marathon. So well, I'd even um, go yeah, ten minutes earlier. I'd say the guys who were running two twenty ish would have had because a lot of half marathoners run a one twenty. Like that's yeah. yeah, that's hard work, and you're still going quicker than them. And I feel sorry for those marathoners that have to, because like, you know what it's like at the end of a marathon, you're not really thinking, like, it's hard to concentrate just on running, let alone having to, like, dodge and weave people. You want to make it You want to make it as easy as possible for people that are in the last couple of kilometres of a marathon. Yeah, well, I think you just, I think if you're running, well, it probably doesn't matter what pace you're running. If you're finishing a marathon and you've got three or four K left, all you want to worry about is getting to the finish line. And you should have road to run on with people at your pace. I don't think yeah. you should have to, yeah, maybe, you know, it's going to be busy, but it's a lot of people busy at your pace and you're moving together, not doing yeah. zigzag stuff at any any pace. And I feel for those guys trying to run, you know, between 220 and 230. And if you've got a zigzag, um, it's hard to zigzag at that speed. Yeah. Well, you think about it, a three-hour marathon is running – um, what 417s per kilometer like that's significantly faster than or 416s or 15 significantly faster than somebody that's running two hours for the half because mm. what's two, two hours for the half like five the high high fives like that's a that's a big difference mm. like you're running through a lot of people at a at a, a high rate rate of knots yeah that was the first year they've done that so it'll be interesting to see what feedback they take on board and changes they make next year Anything else to add there before uh, we move on, fellas, before we finish? Nah, covered most of it. Covered yes, most so. of it later. Um, that's it. What's coming up in your life, Bradley? Uh, another week of school holidays. Um, yeah, so just training and not much. A couple of hundred K. Give me a report on the um, NRL grand final. Didn't they oh. s- someone smash someone? Yeah, it was a bit like the AFL. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, it was over within the first like 20 minutes, which is disappointing. Yeah, so Penrith won back to back. Panthers. Yeah. Uh, were they favourites? Yeah, they were. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Moose, what are you doing between now and next week? Um. Oh boy. Nah, nothing, nothing exciting that I can think of. Oh yes, you no, do. No you, five star hotels. You do have something exciting coming up this week, actually. Do I? Yeah, Wednesday Ooh, night. Yeah, you do, Wednesday night. You're on with Christian. Oh, wait, why? What's going on? He's got to, no, because he's no, revealing no, what he's new, doing next. New season oh, starting. Oh, God. We don't know what he's doing because he because when we left him last Wednesday, he was still sick. So it was if he could get over his sickness, he might reload in like a couple of weeks. Yeah, but yeah, if, okay. But if his sickness took a while, then he had to look, look further down the track for another marathon. He knows what he's doing. All right. I woke up well, Sunday morning. Well, you, yeah, you two are going to debrief together and come up with a plan. But I just woke up to a message from him. I think it was Sunday morning. All caps. I am done thinking, bro! Exclamation mark. I don't know what that means, but it sounds like the thinking has been done. He, knows he stands up and he stands up and about again. So, patrons, yeah. stay tuned. Did you hear, Moose, that I'm going to the Patreon show as well for Road to Valencia? Me, me, Toby, Christian, oh, yeah. and um, Ben Parks, four oh, of us hello. over there. I like it. So, yeah, Jess Stanson will be filling in for You're me for the next 10 weeks. Yeah, I'll Is host that for it. real? Yeah, I reckon it's a good idea, don't you reckon? Get Jess Stanson on here on the road to her road to New York. Put me, Toby, Christian, and Ben Parks over on road to Valencia. I'm not doing the four extra big dogs. work you do. You that can be croaks. He can do that. Yeah, he's going to host it because I've got a busy work. Yeah, good. I've got a big, busy work schedule now. Carly's going back to work as well. So I reckon no, if you don't hear me don't next, like if you don't hear me don't next like week, you. and you hear Jess Stenson on here, that's what's going to be happening. I love how Brady's made all these plans without actually checking with these people. The people that don't know about this plan: Toby, Jess Stenson, Ben Parks. But <laughs> Have Christian, you ever heard Toby talk? Christian, yeah, talk to him heaps on Sunday morning. Oh yeah, the well, boy is fit too. What about he just jogs at two twenty six strokes? Yeah, get a microphone in front of him. Things might change. That's going to be good. <laughs> <laughs> be on Patreon to listen to that next week, guys. But I'm looking forward to hearing what you say to him on uh, Wednesday night. Two big dogs on the one Skype call. Thanks for tuning in, listeners. Um, enjoy the live show from yesterday in Melbourne at the Concrete Boots Bar. Moose, myself, and uh, Matt Clark, Olympian, second-place finisher in the half marathon, joined us for a while. It is a live recording, so you do hear, like, you know, people, um, you know, hitting plates the kitchen it wasn't far from where we we're recording it's not um crystal clear audio but it will do the job um so yeah enjoy that we're done boys see you later see you guys have see a you later see ya. the team at ernie old are getting behind this week's live episode following the melbourne marathon ernie old is more than an apparel or running brand ernie old is an expression of community a fresh and unique approach to Australian running, carefully crafted to elevate your running experience. Developed for all runners, Ernie Old's performance range combines technical fabrics and functional details. All garments are designed and prototyped here in Melbourne and constructed from fabrics developed in Italy. Featuring Ernie Old's signature care label on the back, each piece is engineered for the ultimate freedom of movement to go the distance. The team at Ernie Old pride themselves on developing meaningful relationships with their local manufacturers, staying connected with every stage of production. 
Don't forget to follow at Ernie Old Running through Instagram and Facebook to stay up to date with our running community. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining us on a, a beautiful Sunday afternoon straight after the Melbourne Marathon Festival. It's amazing to see so many people here. It's always the case that no one wants to fill the seats at the front. So if anyone at the back wants to come down and sit at the front, you are more than welcome. Um, a few things to go through before we kick off the formalities today. First off is a massive thanks to the Ernie Old guys. They're partnering with us for this uh, show this afternoon. They sponsored the podcast a couple of weeks ago. Um, some product up here if you want to have a look at it at the end of the day or maybe in the break um, halfway through the, the show. Simon is at the very back up there. Give us a wave, Simon. He was out on the bike today. He's had a big morning, probably rode 45k this morning. So uh, a massive thanks to those guys for being a part of the Inside Running Podcast live show at Melbourne Marathon. We've got a few things from the venue here as well. You can order beers from your tables. Uh, I think there's just an app, a, a thing to scan, and then you can um, yeah, get drinks brought to you. So that's a massive thanks to Andrew and the staff here at the Concrete Boots Bar for helping us out. It's a pretty cool venue, some pretty nice beers on tap. So. Um, yeah, make the most of it before everyone else rolls in after the show finishes today. A huge thanks to the people who bought a ticket. There, um, We had 70 tickets to sell and 62 of them were sold to Patreon supporters. So um, there's eight people in here who I wouldn't mind having a chat to later on today. <laughs> but to the other 62, a massive thanks. There's absolutely, I know I say this on the show all the time, there's absolutely no way that our show gets to the uh, amount of episodes we've got to without the support of our Patreon supporters. You guys do make us accountable each and every week. So uh, thank you for your support and thank you for buying a ticket today and being here on a Sunday afternoon with us. You will notice that uh, Bradley Croker is not here. His commitment to the show wasn't enough to bring him down from Melbourne. Um, and we did replace him with somebody who was about a million times better than him in Sinead Diver, who is a Melbourne Marathon record holder and she come 10th at the Olympics and better known as the queen of the Melbourne Marathon down here in uh, Victoria. And then at about 20K today, I ran past Julian Spence on the side of the, uh, the road and he didn't tell me anything about how my form looked while I was pacing or had the new haircut I got on Friday afternoon or anything like that. But he just quickly told me that Sinead is quite sick. You would have noticed that her name wasn't in the results today and she is a late DNS. So she will not be joining us this afternoon, which is a bit sad. However, we did really want to fill this third seat with somebody, so we, uh, we pulled out our phones, we looked at the results, we thought who was maybe in form. We wanted to try and go a, at least a like-for-like like croaks, but um, well, I think we've done much better in that, in that stake again. And we've got an Olympian here and he's going to be joining us shortly. But before I introduce him, I will introduce my co-host, because I actually haven't done that yet. I feel like I've been speaking quite out for a couple of minutes. He's had a big morning as well, pacemaking duties, coaching duties, handing out jail duties. Everyone knows him as Big Moose, 214 Marathon Man. Would have got you fourth today, I think, Moose. Maybe third even, not 100% sure. Welcome to the live show and thank you for joining me. Thanks, mate. You can have a breath now. Oh, thank you. You've done it. It was a great race call. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I was uh, on the start line this morning with... I think it was about one minute to go, and because I was carrying my phone, I needed to get home on a line bike afterwards. My phone was connected to my watch, and I had a notification just before the gun went from Sinead saying, sorry guys, I've got COVID, I can't make it to that. 
Um, and then I thought, well, that's, that's a shame you won't win the half marathon straight up. It's a pretty, pretty big hit, really, because um, she's got a PB of 69 minutes and uh, probably the queen of the race, like you said. Probably the biggest star there today. So the race took a bit of a hit there. Uh, payday for Sinead. Payday for like, you do feel for, for the athletes when they, they get sick and they can't show up because this is sort of how she... Well, she had another job, but this is how she makes her living and how she um, supports herself. So when someone like that does get COVID and, and loses money like that, so it's more than just uh, more than just us at the show, Brady. I know you were quite disappointed at 23K. Uh, the brain started racking as who we could get, and um, I think we got a pretty good replacement. Bit of an upgrade from Croats, not one for one. So I will introduce our guest. He's going to be joining us for the first 30 minutes up here, around about 30 minutes. We will have a bit of a break in the middle. Um, and then we've got some stuff to talk about. We've listened to questions as well, which Moose, you've got to remind me to do that before we uh, go to the break. But this athlete today is an Olympian. He went to the 2020 Olympics. That's what they're calling them, but they happened in 2021. He was second place today in the half marathon and probably the only guy in Australia who's given Jack Rayner a run for his money on the roads in the last two or three weeks because he was also second at the City to Bay 12K, the Australian Road Racing Championships, a few weeks ago over in Adelaide. Um, he is a Melbourne boy originally, now lives over in Adelaide, so I want to pick his brain about the different running cultures in the two different locations. And we might give a big round of applause to uh, Matt Clark, who has joined us. So a massive thanks for being here, Clarky. I probably rang you, I reckon, 90 minutes ago. Um, it took a while to find your phone number. Tried Instagram DMs, but you told me you didn't have those notifications turned on. And a massive thanks for joining us and the Inside Run podcast listeners live here today. And congratulations on the race today. I'm calling it your first official half marathon this morning. Yeah, thanks for having me in. Um, yeah, so I gave, um, I was saying it before, I ran the Athletics Victoria Burnley half marathon, but... Um, yeah, it wasn't really a, a super. Well, I mean, I gave, I gave my all, but I like, didn't really do the proper training leading into it. I came back from a, a Flagstaff trip where I was still racing 1500s then. Um, but yeah, like today, I went in super fit and uh, like was hoping to run a pretty good time, which I'm pretty happy with today. Yeah, tell us about how the race unfolded because I know there were a number of people in the half year today and the marathon who. And I heard the stream was really bad, so uh, even people who weren't at the race but were watching the stream might not have seen how the race panned out. But what happened out there on course, because it was a really good field, Seth O'Donnell, Andy Buchanan, um, Sam McEntee, Jack Grant we spoke about, and yourself, so a really solid top five. Yeah, so um, yeah, because it was such a hot field, I was maybe thinking they'd like walk off the start line a little bit, watch each other, like kind of play a little bit of cat and mouse early, but um, Jack went straight to the front, basically. And, Oh, maybe just within the, the first K mark and then just hammering into it, hitting sub 250s for some of the Ks um, up until 10-ish well, K. I think we went through 10K. I think officially it went through in um, uh, 29.15, but like, my watch was beeping before 29. Um, so it was Jack, so we were just hammering. Um, I think it was me, Andy and Jack at about 6K. Um, and then there was a little gap um, and I was, I was kind of hanging on for dear life at this point on Andy, and I just thought, um, oh, whatever, we've already gone out hard, let's just, let's just bank as so much time as possible. So I went around Andy at that point, sat on Jack, and just uh, poked the pop 
in the end wouldn't hurt too much. So then Jack cleared out at about 12 or 13K. Um, and then, yeah, I just did my best to kind of hold it together in, in from there. When you hit 5K or 6K in the time that you did, um, is that sort of a, is there a bit of fear in what's going to happen in, in the unknown going forward? Because I, a lot of us here go out with a pace in mind and we stick to the splits, like we know we have to be disciplined. But when you're trying to win the race, it's a bit different. So yeah, 6K when you're running sort of maybe um, in a, into unknown territory, How's that, how do you approach that? Yeah, I think the thing that was on my side a little bit today was um, the whole thing was going to be unknown territory. So um, I, the only kind of like little carrot I had dangling in front of me was um, my coach Adam Diddy said, if you go sub 62, you get to change events for uh, Paris, so you can go to the marathon. So um, I was just thinking like, oh, whatever, if someone throws a kitchen sink at it, I might as well give it a nudge. Like I've, I don't really have anything to lose. Like I've, I've never done a half before. And um, if it just turns out that it's not my event, then whatever, I'll just go back to the shorter distances. So um, like we went through super quick at City to Bay anyway. Um, I mean, we actually probably weren't that much slower than it today um, through the first part, but um, yeah, I just thought, let's just give it a nudge and see what happens. And um, like they have the fitness to kind of um, fortify the, the pop and it did happen. Yeah. So when Jack cleared out, was it a little like second group that formed with Seth and Sam McEntee and yourself, or was it kind of spread out along the road? No, it was pretty spread out. So it was, um, we had like a bit of a pack for the first 5K and um, like all the big names were in it. That you went through and then probably just a k or two after that me andy and jack got our own little three pack going and then um just going into elba park oh maybe that's about seven ish k um it was just me and jack at that point um and then i had a bit of a look around at around 10k and didn't really see anyone at that point so i wasn't exactly sure what was like where they were but um i think they had like they were in a pack themselves. Um, and then Jack cleared out, as I said, about 12, 13K. I looked around about 15K um, and just didn't see anyone. So I was kind of running scared from that point because um, even if you can't see people, I was still thinking to myself, gee, if I, I pop and I run a couple of 320s at the end and they come home like hammering home and they only run like some 250s, then that's a minute just in 2K. So I thought, even if I can't see them, I guess um, I've still got to like do my best not to blow or anything like that. After last week, you pushed Jack to the line at City to Bay. Did you think maybe in 5k, like this could be a chance that like we can even things up, like I could take him today? Oh no, I think uh, like Jack's a bit of a king at the half marathon. I think um, so. Yeah, the, the two guys that have beaten me this year on the road have been Jack and Brad, and um, I think they're just on a bit of a different um, league at the moment. Um, I thought the 12k was probably my best chance. Um, I actually hit the lead in City to Bay about 1,200 to go and um, tried to kind of put in a... I was hurting, but I thought I'd put in a bit of a, a fake bluff move and hopefully he'd go into panic mode and, and pop harder than me. But um, yeah, 700 to go, he just showed me who was boss and went straight past. And, um, I, I thought that was probably my best chance. I thought the half marathon today was um, like he was, was going to beat me any way he wanted, really. Yeah. And um, I was just kind of happy that at least he dragged me through for a, a good time. I did say to him after the race, I was like, oh, you, you could have beaten me at any time. You didn't have to break me that early. You could have dragged me through for a little bit longer. <laughs> yeah, because it was 70 seconds in the end. So he, um, he was well out in front in 62.7 and you were 63.27.
which leads to the conversation. You weren't under that 62 to be able to change events with your coach to go from a steeplechaser to a marathoner. But opportunity, you look like we're, it's hard to, where we sent nobody to the world championships. So like there's an opportunity there if you want to go up to the, the marathon, you went to the Olympics for the steeple, but then controversial, I think, didn't get selected for the world champs and the comm games. So where are you at with career-wise, event-wise, to get in an Australian single again? Yeah, so I still think steeple's my best chance. So even though they've cut the, so they've cut the field size recently, it's from 45 down to 36, but the qualifier, even though they've made it harder, they've made it 8.15, um, I still think I'm only seven seconds off that. Um, and I think the form I'm developing over other distances, I think will translate into that as well. Um, I guess the good thing about running well on the roads gives me confidence that um, I guess there'll come a, a point in time where I just can't sacrifice three months of my year to go overseas and, and run an overseas season. So um, when I do eventually, um, I think more through like cultural reasons, moving into the road, um, that hopefully I'll have a good career and transition maybe into that marathon if I can um, execute all those like you know gut and fueling things that come with it as well being a, another specialised event. Just a question on the steeplechase, it's the most technical distance running event because, well, it's the only event that has a technical aspect to it. Um, how do you like approach your technique training for that because um, like some coaches out there might have a hurdle kind of background or uh, you, you see some some steeple group well not steeple groups but steeple athletes do a heap of drills and training and um, it's almost like they have a specific session for, for hurdling do you do do that is that part of your training yeah it's a it's a massive part particularly at the start so um when i was still in melbourne i was training with um justin rinaldi um he kind of like managed i guess like my, my fitness and my like season and all that um, and then I was working pretty closely with Steve Fabris who has a 400 hurdles background yeah. and um, we were doing weekly technique sessions since April before the track season started so what's that it's like uh, eight months of specific technique work leading into before I even debuted over it um, and then like since then since I've carried that on back into Adelaide um, I try to get out in season once a week to keep just doing tech, technical work, just jumping hurdles. Um, and then we probably do a, a steeple workout once a fortnight, sometimes once a week, um, depending on what races are coming up. But I probably don't do lots of drills and like particular like movement pattern stuff. I just find like jumping barriers is the best way to learn to jump barriers. So I just try to jump as many barriers as I can in the week. Matt, the move from uh, Melbourne to Adelaide, maybe about four or five years ago now, like for listeners that don't know Matt, pretty much this is where I saw it from the outside, you pretty much packed up your life to chase your running goals. You were a good AV kind of athlete um, and wanted to pursue that kind of international scene which you've done now, but pretty much packed up your life, moved over to Adelaide to be coached by Adam Diddick and in that environment and have kind of never looked back, only got better and better. Um, which is what we kind of saw with the results today. But I'd be interested in what are the cultural differences? Because Melbourne's got a very strong, a lot of people move to Melbourne to run. Um, what are the cultural differences about running in Adelaide compared to running in Melbourne? Um, yeah, I guess like, like Melbourne's 
amazing in a sense like it's got all these like different groups and like i guess there's just a plethora of olympians and high-end like amazing runners like i think jack was telling me in the warm down today that just about over all the significant distances from 800 up are all held by victorians now um so um i guess adelaide doesn't have that much depth like just the size of it means that obviously um we're less fortunate with like acquiring talent unless um, people like move over like myself but one of the amazing things about it is being a slightly smaller city um the running there is just a lot easier i guess to achieve and manage so things like that i just used to not even think about to become normal life like driving an hour of training or having to work a bit more because rent's a bit higher or whatever that is or like I guess everyone's just busy in Melbourne. Everyone has to work hard, play hard, travel more, do all that. Um, we just don't have that in Adelaide. Like we got a lot cheaper rent, living costs are less. Um, travel time is so much less. If I drive more than 15 minutes, I'm like, nah, it's too far, I'm not going. Mate, you should move to a Chuka. It's even better than Adelaide. <laughs> yeah, but like that's sort of it. There's probably some benefits from going like to the country yeah. if, if you're a really good athlete. But um, look, I, 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 like I guess to its credit, I probably didn't initially move over there with the intention of staying. So I moved over there and then when COVID hit, um, I kind of had to think about other aspects of my life to focus on while I was over there. Things like getting a job and, and settling in a bit more because the, originally I was going to go over there for one year and that all got pushed back another year and I just couldn't support myself for that long. So um, I got a job over there. Um, Nitta, who does the um, Shoe Geeks podcast, um, was kind enough to give me an opportunity that I probably didn't deserve at the time. Um, but I, I like to think I'm starting to pay him back a little bit now. Um, but um, yeah, he gave me like, a, like my dream job so like, I'm, I'm not going to get another opportunity like that in Melbourne, I don't think. Um, and of course, I met my fiance over there as well. And then again, like the lifestyle that I just went over is, um, it's, it's pretty amazing when I come home and I speak to my schoolmates and all that about like how they're living and they're just flogging themselves like eight to six at work kind of thing and then struggling to fit any hobbies in. Like I'm just like, nah, it'd be crazy to go back. Yeah. The, uh, the group you train with, Team Tempo, we've heard a lot about them through Jess, obviously. Uh, what she's done has been pretty amazing in the last 12, two years, two months, two years, even her whole career. Uh, and we see Izzy today, like an Adelaide runner. Um, she she obviously trained under Adam for a, a long time. Talk, talk about, well, the differences between a training session under Adam versus perhaps some of the um, training sessions you might see under other big groups in Australia like Melbourne Track Club. Is, is there a significant difference? Like is there a full philosophical difference? Um, maybe not necessarily heaps. I guess both are relatively, I guess, aerobic groups. At least we are anyway. Um, we maybe do a little bit, and look, I can't necessarily speak exactly for everything MTC does, just I don't know this overly specific ins and outs of what they do, but um, we probably do fairly high-ish mileage, fairly, or at least generally, there's, there's a few athletes that have slightly more specific niches, but um, I guess if someone is like myself, completely uninjured and able to do whatever Adam wants, it's a fairly high-ish mileage group, lots of focus on aerobic training, um, not doing everything, it's kind of like what you guys talk about, not doing a lot super hard, but just getting it done consistently at like a sustainable rate, that kind of, you know, the eight out of tens that everyone talks about. Um, I guess probably maybe one of the things that Adam does really well is he just works super hard into um, 
learning like what the responses to training are that I guess each individual has. So everyone's got a hyper-specialised, specific training program that um, I guess Adam at least tries his best to analyse all the time and understand what that specific athlete responds to. Um, and, and the only way he does that is by having a really specific program that he monitors everything um, super exactly and, and then tweaks as, as he needs over time. So in, um, in practice, like, does that mean that if you go to a group training session down at the track, 15 athletes might show up or more? Yeah, or? yeah probably, I guess. Oh, yeah, it varies a little bit. Yeah, um, yeah 15. Let's, yeah, let's 15, say 15 yeah. show up uh, and there's a workout um, prescribed. Does everyone have slightly different um, paces, distances, uh, volumes? Because that's probably one thing at MTC we see, like the group session is the main feature. Um, yeah, so um, I guess one one thing, I guess, compared to us to like a, a big group, like MTC, we've always got a lot less athletes. So even though you're like, yeah, we might have 15, sometimes more, 20 athletes rock up. Um, Adam Adam's really only like specifically coaching the, the higher end ones. Lockie Scott's come on board recently to, to manage some of the, um, I would say like more national level athletes, um, and so like they're really good at working in like with like some of the girls like Caitlin and Jess, and then um, because again we train at a slightly lower level, I feel like than like a max effort, I feel that kind of brute brings a lot of the zones a little bit more like into like the same range. So for example, if I'm training like Isaac and Max, we're doing pretty similar rep times. But what Adam will do a lot is he'll give pretty specific instructions on like how to approach the session. So if someone's just absolutely knocking it out of the park, it'll be like, all right, well, you can go a bit more, or like you can take more of the leading. You know, if someone's having a bad day, you know, it's, it's more about focusing on like, you know, ignore your watch, get through it, or sit in today, get dragged through. So um, whether he's giving specific sessions or whether we got the same session, I'd say the goals for each athlete in that session sometimes are at least very specific. Is he on the ground uh, making a difference there? Like picking stuff up, giving directions, like kind of like in-person coach? Yeah, massively. And I, and I think that's probably one of the things that I really appreciate of, of him is that like, he's always there watching, giving feedback throughout the session. Um, it's probably one thing, I'd, at least myself, I need to learn to probably pick up a little bit when I go overseas, is um, like when he's not there, not having that to kind of like tweak a little bit. I can, get, I can get a little bit carried away sometimes and I guess train a little bit hard and get a bit ambitious. Um, and it's, it's pretty nice having, and you know, some athletes are the opposite. Other athletes, you know, he has to kind of give a little pump up to him and be like, come on, you're fine, keep going, keep pushing, keep pushing. Um, whereas like for me, it's more about holding back. Um, but yeah, as I said, like it's specific instructions depending on whatever it is or say, I guess more if something goes wrong, like we absolutely butchered, like I did this session a few months ago now, I absolutely butchered the first rep. <laughs> I've nearly just ruined the session kind of thing. And um, I guess his ability to then, you know, problem solve on the spot and be like, all right, do this and then we'll do this instead yeah. kind of thing to try and get that so that I can still get something out of the session is, is really valuable. We'll read through the results a bit later on, but I think, uh, no offence to your performance because it was good today, but I think team tempo run of the day was Caitlin Adams in the 10K, one by over a minute. We've seen Isaac Hain come through that team tempo environment and kind of really stamp his authority on road races. Is she, you know, you and Jess are there, Isaac's there, is she the next big name to look out for in the training group? Yeah, I think she's been a little bit 
underrated for a while. You know, she's made that, um, she auto-qualified herself once for that world cross-country team. Mm. Um, so I, she's been knocking on the door for a little bit. And I think like today's, and I, she came back from overseas, I think, um, with a massive hunger, I think like we all did. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm kind of hoping that like, you know, this added drive to try and take that next step kind of puts her out there and I think today just shows that she's she's definitely like trending in the right direction mm. to make that next step. Yeah, 32.27 on that 10k course. I'm not sure if any listeners or people in the audience uh, ran that 10k today but I heard it was not the fastest course in the world and a bit of uh, pedestrians to deal with and things like that so uh, that's an amazing time on that course. Moose, any more questions for him before we let um, him go? Now we love a rivalry in the running world. We don't have enough of them. I think it's really good for the sport to have sort of some animosity between groups. Um, in Adelaide, there's a clear divide now between the Izzy and Riley group and Team Tempo. Tell us how that looks in Adelaide, because you guys run at the same areas. Izzy's now coming after Jess in the marathon. We see that. Dodged each other at the Cedar Bay. Uh, you and Max take on Riley quite often, and Isaac. Um, How's that, how's that feel go? You guys ever train together? You do workouts together, long runs? Um, oh, look, I do, I guess, a lot. I, I do the vast majority of my running solo anyway. So um, for, the, for the sessions, yeah, like we've got Adam kind of giving out some specific needs. We don't, we don't do any sessions with them. I think, um, look, Jess and some of the other guys, I know like the Scott's quite good mates with Riley, like they get out for jogs here and there. So I don't think it's necessarily a, a forceful rivalry divide us versus you type thing at all. I think it's more just a, um, a byproduct of, um, I guess, both of our you know, specific needs kind of thing going forward. A good answer. Pretty good, correct answer. A few months of us on the podcast. We'll, yeah. we'll put a spike in there. We'll try to, yeah, try to put something between us. Mate, that's all the questions I've got. As I said before, that was a uh, super late notice to get you here. Good luck for the future in the steeple and the road kind of game. Are there any races for the, the audience to look out for? What's next on the agenda? Um, I'll be hitting Noosa Bolt next. Yep. Yeah. Big um, ASICS event. Should have mentioned you're an ASICS man. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, big thanks to ASICS for supporting um, myself and my team. Don't they, like, put you up in a house and stuff up there? They look after you guys well up there, don't they? ASICS? Yeah. Um... So I'm, uh, the whole team's not going up this year, so um, I, I won't be staying in an, AS, an ASIC-specific house. This Budget year. cut to ASIC, you reckon? <laughs> oh, no, no, no. They, do, they, they definitely do a lot for us. We, um, I guess, oh, I don't know what I'm allowed to specifically say, what we have, who funds what and how it's funded kind of thing. No, but, um, this, yeah, this is just um, between us here today. <laughs> we, we cut anything for the other 20,000 people that listen during the week. Um, they look after yeah, you guys well. No, right. That's, that's the point well. I was trying yeah, to make. They, yeah. they look after us very well. So, like, I probably in the in the stage I'm at and what I'm kind of willing to sacrifice for my running now that I guess I've, I've ticked that life goal of making the Olympics and not being overly greedy to my partner and etc. and sacrificing too much life. Um, ASICs really offload that and, and allow me um, with you know a lot of travel expenses covered um, and a lot of um, a little bit of like financial assistance here or there too. And uh, of course, like all the gear I could possibly need kind of thing to get through my running. Yeah. Legend. Well, Moose, any more questions for him before we let him go? Yeah, that's me. So well spoken. On a last uh, late notice, you didn't have time to prepare any of those answers, that's for sure. So thanks, Matt Clark, for joining us here. Can we give you a massive round of applause, please?
The next part of the show, Moose, I was thinking instead of, because we are going to do a weekly show, so some of this will be in the weekly show, some of it won't be. We've still got our London to happen tonight, so we thought we'll definitely do a weekly show with Croaks. It's always good to hear about our E-Fangs as long runs out of Mulligans. We can't have a week without that. So um, I thought instead of recapping our whole week's Moose, we could just recap our mornings. Yeah, sounds good. How does that sound? So you're on the start line. You get the news that Sinead Diver's not coming to the live show. You got a couple of boys on your shoulders saying you're taking me 2:30 marathon pace for 15k. Was that it? It was 3:35 pace, which is slightly over 2:30, I think, or roundabouts. Um, but no, yeah, it was good. I walked down from the accommodation this morning, and um, it's it's just such a vibe in Melbourne when you you heading to the start line. It's because of the hour push back the sunrise as kind of leaving the hotel uh, and then like you can see there's like just ants basically filtering down onto the river path to walk towards the, the G and everyone is so up and about like it's just really good vibes um, there's very good energy in the air that, that probably the hour before a marathon and the marathon is different like you can go to local fun runs 10k's or whatever it's different to the marathon. There's, there's a real nervousness about running 42K because the consequences are greater. And there's been a longer preparation and there's more on the line, there's more investment, there's more emotion involved. Um, and it was a one in 50, I exaggerate things a lot, but I'm saying a one in 50 year weather conditions right. today. You, you, Me and you have run a lot of Melbourne, that was one in 50. If you got on like the weather app, and you went through every single weather location in the world, you wouldn't have found better marathon weather yeah. this morning. Um, you couldn't have scripted it better. So I think that really enhanced almost the excitement. Mm, is that right. people were on today. And uh, kind of like Berlin course, you know if you were fucking up today, it was on you. It wasn't, there was no weather excuses. There was no northerly winds to blame. There was no heat or humidity. It was on you. It was just not your day if you had a bad one today. Is that what you're thinking? <laughs> there were some people that didn't have the day today. Um, we'll have to, yeah, we can't blame the weather for that. Uh, but yeah, so we got to the start line and, um, yeah, I mean, the, the little pen at the front, they, they do it quite well as you walk in and found my boys. Uh, we went off 3.35 pace. We were slightly in front of um, Izzy, so... Izzy was, we knew was going to try to run, well we thought was going to run around 228 to 230 pace initially. So being in front of her, I was wondering whether my GPS was right or not or if she was getting it wrong. Um, I used, I saw you put up some influencer posts this morning, <laughs> trying to tell people what to do on the day. And I think I stitched a lot of people up, yeah. including myself, because I put up a post saying, Turn your GPS off. Don't worry about your 1K splits. Use the K markers on course. They're the thing. That's, that's the course you're running. And then, as a pacemaker person this morning, it got to about 2K, and I'm like, this is, it. This is incorrect. This is going to create panic when people go through here. Because they, I think they measure it, because sometimes the timing mat's in the right spot, and then you look up, and 100 metres later, there's a 5K sign. And I reckon they just look and go, oh, well, 5K there, good pole, 125 metres up there. Put the 5k marker there. And if you're inexperienced and don't know that, I think that's, there's a few things I would love to love for them to fix about this event. 
And that's one of them. It's like the big marathons don't get that stuff wrong and it can impact a lot of people's races. And there weren't even, I don't think, I think we went past a K mark or maybe six and then we didn't see a K mark at all, like nine. And it's like, how are people meant to run even when they don't know yet? So I'm sorry for people. I said turn your splits off because that would have been handy to have them, I think. Well, it's, it's the advice that I was giving the guys as well. So we went through 5K and I looked down and saw a number and I thought, that doesn't seem right. And I asked them, what's the range that we want? And they said they wanted 20 seconds quicker for, for the 5K. And I thought, oh boy, we're in, we've gone out way too slow here. Uh, but my watch was showing that we were going too fast. So we were sort of, uh, didn't really know what to do to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> so a little bit just sort of said, how do you feel? And I said, I feel good. I'm like, great, let's just do that now. As you should, at the 5 Let's just go to feel. And um, I, I found my way to the back of that pack and just thought I'll just jog along here because I don't want to be um, blamed for anything later on. <laughs> But yeah, by that stage, Izzy had kind of gone past us, was chasing down the, the two leaders, um, the two Kenyan girls. So we were, we were sort of just behind them and um, Izzy's group pulled away, maybe running 3.30s. I reckon that was probably what they hit early enough. And we, um, we were just, we had a really solid pack actually. So there was Surf Coast Track Club guys, there was four of us in there. Yeah. Um, then there was Paul Mulholland, who was an Adelaide athlete. I think you might do a bit of running with um, with Nita's, Nita's group over there, or maybe with Maddie as well. So he was trying to aim for, for under 230. There was another Adelaide guy in the pack, and yeah, I just kept thinking, I'm so jealous of everyone today. Like, this is the day to run fast. Uh, by, the, by sort of an hour into the race, the sun had gone and it fogged over a little bit and the temperature dropped. So when does that ever happen? When does the temperature drop during a marathon and the sun disappear? Uh, I got to um, 15K and I went through and I, that was my plan. I, we went through basically, I think we're 10 seconds under what the boys wanted at that point. And, Perfect. Um, I thought I could probably go to half marathon, but then I saw a toilet on the side of the road and I actually really needed to go, so I thought, I'll see you later. Um, what were the passing words when you peeled off? Like, did you give him an earful, like a motivational speech? Like, what did you leave him with when you left? I uh, had fun. That's it, okay. Yeah. No, I, I went off, better, actually, I went off quietly. Did you? Uh, it's not about me out there, Brady. No, like, I know you like to be the figurehead. You could have really revved him up out there and uh, passed on some wisdom. You don't want to spur it, you don't want to brush the adrenaline at 15 k yeah. Save that That's for later in the race. Um, no, I just peeled off, went to the bathroom, and then came back out and saw them come back down the road. Um, and then got, a, got my phone out, got a line bike, and just cruised the course. And it was, yeah, a lot of people had good days. So from that group, um, one of the, I think the, the fastest finisher was 2.30.22, which you gave great assistance to from 35 kilometers onwards. Uh, that was very good help, and then there was a 2.31 maybe, and a 2.32, so the guys had a really good day, and it might not have been the sub 2.30 they were going for, but it was still huge PBs for all of them, and yeah, I, like, I, I had fun, I, my knee feels fine, so I got 15k tempo out, and then I looked at my heart rate data afterwards <laughs> and thought, that was probably a good time to get out, because <laughs> I was very close to the, um, well, I was very over the threshold at that point. Yeah. yeah. 
I'll tell you about my morning because it was similar to yours. I was pacing the, it was meant to be around about 221 group. So uh, there was a group of about six of us. I didn't think there were going to be that many passengers on the train early on. And I, as I said, soon realised that the K markers were out and just had to kind of chill out a bit and just kind of, because some of the Ks were saying I was running like 305. And then the next one was like 335 off the actual K markers on course. So I just had to kind of like, at least I thought the 5K timing mats were going to be accurate. And um, So you, you didn't have any pace showing? I decide, usually when I run a marathon, I just go stopwatch. I know my four numbers to hit or five numbers to hit and then I'll lap my watch at the 5K increments and then just keep doing that until 40K and then run as hard as you can. But this time I had pace and lap time. So I could see that, like it said, we went through the first K and say 327, but my lap pace said 318. And I'm sitting there going, well, it's got to be, and I'm trying to, yeah, and I'm trying to say to the boys, I'm like, hey, don't worry about, it. I've got it under control, we're going too quick, kind of thing. Um, I had John Dutton in there, Nate Stope, um, who, yeah, they were the kind of two guys right on my shoulder most of the way. We went. This is good, mate. Should be proud of this. Sixteen thirty six, thirty three twenty, forty nine fifty five. Got him to halfway in seventy oh nine. So that's pretty nice pacing. It was you went sub two twenty. Two no no two twenty one. We're looking at. So I banked some time. Why did you banked decide 221, not 220? Oh, because it was all about Nate Stode, who is a guy I coach and talk about on the podcast a bit, and his PB was 221.50-ish, and he hasn't had the same prep that he probably had for Melbourne last year because he's been doing a lot of cross-country racing, and we thought, let's just go for a PB instead of like trying to break 220 and putting that pressure on. Um, and then I ended up going to 24K and did give him a bit of a speech when I peeled off, just said, look, don't bury yourselves. You get your nutrition in, don't ruin this, I've set it up perfect. They both popped pretty hard in the second half. Um, 220, no, 221 high and 223, so come in it. And then I had this really weird moment where I'm, I'm in seventh position. There's, these guys are running off on me. I look behind me, there's no one there. They're running 320 pace. I'll put the brakes on and run in 410 pace and I'm getting the real like sympathy claps on the side of the road. People like, this bloke can't pace it, he's in for a long day. But I'm smiling back and I'm looking good, I'm looking smooth, I've got it under control. So people are like, good work, well done. And then I go, oh, thank you for the applause. Like, and they're like, jeez, you can't even talk to us back. <laughs> and people are just like, what is going on here? This is uh, not sure. And then I, um, I got to you, I saw you on the road at about 20, because my initial plan was that I'd then put the brakes on, wait for a couple of people on the road who were trying to break 240, wait for them to get onto me at around 32K and then hopefully pace them the last 10K. And then I uh, saw you on course and I stopped, but I kept my watch running. And then I wanted you to get your phone out and tell me how Archie went. Because I'm like, Moose, tell me how Archie won. Did he win the 10K? And you looked at me like you're a dickhead. I keep running. And then Ali was with you and had a chat and then found out Archie come third, which was good. And then about a K later, I bumped into Zachary on the side of the road. So I stopped and had a chat to him as well. And like, people are hunting me down. I've gone from eighth to oh, probably 28 then. And then I jogged until around about 34K. And you rode up next to me and you're like, what are you doing? Like, get off the road. And I was like, I, I think I will get off the road here because it was actually, it wasn't good biomechanically to be jogging four minute pace in the, um, in the Alpha Fives. I was like, I just don't feel smooth and I feel like I might bring on a bit of an injury here. And then you said to me, you're like, my boys are coming. They want to break 2.30, take them through. And I could see that little glint in your eye. You're just like, come on, do it. 
And I was like, shit, yeah, I'm going to do it. So I said, I said, what pace is that? And they said, yeah, two, um, two, no, 3.33 K pace, I think. And then, um, yeah, you said, you, you tried to introduce me to your guy. So you're like, Brady, this is Will, Will, this is Brady. And I'm like, okay, Will, what are we running? I said, give me a K to like, try and walk in. And then we come home fine. Like, I think we ran the last. Um, he was tough as a bull, because that's through the tough area of the course, down past the art centre, up the hill. Um, I would love to tell you exactly what it was. I'll be able to do that. Give, give me two seconds here. Will, uh, Will was the guy in the group that was going to come home strong, we knew that. And it's very easy, like it's a lot easier to come home strong when there's someone around you with you. There's a little bit of competitive advantage to that. And so in, in order to do that, like you, you being there was perfect for him. Yeah, so on my watch, we ran the last 7K at 3.24K pace. So he's trying to break 2.30 and he's ran the last 7K through those hills at 2.25 pace. Um, so he was really good. And then what disappointed me the most was, yeah, you're running through the half marathons through the art centre there and then up towards the town a bit and then they peel off. And then we went up and did the tents, destroying stuff and come back. But then we hit a lot of traffic through... Um, the Flinders Street station there, and he was like, I'm like yelling at people, like, get off the road, marathon is coming. Half marathon, yeah. yeah. And I'm like, oh, I am a marathon, but I'm like, get off the road, They're like, Will's coming, and he's going, what are we on? And I'm like, I don't know, I've just been splitting the last 4K. And the poor guy ran just over, like, yeah, I think it was 30 seconds over 2.30, but he'll get that next time. Um, so it was a really fun morning. I ran, yeah, 2.30.45. Um, I was tempted to walk off though. I didn't want it on my profile. And I'm like, but how do I get back to my bag, which is in the change rooms at the MCG? And then I didn't want to go through that like, I didn't want to just walk across the grass on the MCG and people be like, come on mate, 200 meters to go. <laughs> so I jogged it in and um, yeah, got a good long run, a good workout. And just being on the streets was just an amazing day. So, Elite uh, coordinator at Valencia is just going through results. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so why do we give the... Cross <laughs> off this bike. Put him back in group D, he's a 230 guy. Yeah, that's a good point, yeah. Didn't think about that. Wish I thought about that five hours ago. Um, so a great fun day, it was good to be involved and um, yeah, it was good, good long run. And just, this is the shit to, like, being a part of events, even, uh, yeah, just being involved and with people and the emotion out there and I'd never met Will, but I was so invested in his group that I'm yelling at people to get off the road and I'm like, move your arms, swing your arms. I'm like, and I even told him coming into the G, I'm like, mate, it's only 200 metres in there, you've got to get going. Knowing full well, it's like 350 metres. But um, yeah, so running is a very, very special thing. So that was my morning out and um, yeah, very happy with that. Boo, should we have a break? Can we have a, uh, we'll have a break. If you want a drink, now we've got further listener questions and our competition for the day. Um, Zaka, who's sitting in the front row here, he helps us with selling ads to brands and a lot of things behind the uh, behind the scenes of the Inside Run podcast. Talk about him all the time, but he's actually face to the name if you see him. He's going to walk around with some sticky notes. If you've got a listener question, we haven't got much of the show to, to go. We've just got listener questions and moose on the loose. So we will be finished pretty close to, uh, and we'll read out the results from today. We've kind of talked about most of them and some observations. Maybe we've got a bit longer than I thought. But... Um, if you've got a listener question, he's got some sticky notes and a pen, write it on there and put your name on the bottom because listener questions are also going into a hat to win some Ernie Old product that we're then gonna draw out of a hat. 
So there's, there's, so even if you haven't got a list of the question, I'll just write some real basic question and put your name on the bottom, so then you can go into the drawer to win the stuff. So Zach has got a couple of pads of sticky notes, he'll be floating around, see him. We might have a quick like five minute break, because um, I know we did say we'd finish at 3.15, but we'll do our very best to, to close the show out. So thanks guys, we'll go, uh, we'll go five minutes, toilet, drink, sticky notes. All right, legends, we might uh, quickly restart. We've got a whole lot of listener questions, thank you. The ones we don't, Zach is frantically trying to uh, find a good selection there. The ones we don't get to, though, we'll keep for the show this week and put them in there. Uh, Moose, we will quickly talk about the results because Melbourne did today see their first sub-210, which is what they've been after. Timothy Rono got the win in 209-13. Cornelius Kiplagat was second in 2.10.25. And then Australian, Reese Edwards, 2.14.42. Spoke to him after the race, reckons that's the best marathon he's ran, although he has ran 2.13 before, but on that course, he thinks um, that's better than his 2.13s. Riley Cox, I will mention, come fourth, solo the whole way, 2.16.57. Um, in the women's race. Just on, on Reese's run, he, yes. uh, he actually went through halfway 65.39. So he's gone 65.39, 63, um, no, sorry, 70, um, or 68. We were talking about how good your maths was last week. Remember uh, when you're, you're working out that 105% of marathon pace? Yeah. Um, so it's a, it's a fairly big blower to get to that point. So it's interesting he's called that his best marathon. Yeah, yeah um, he was really happy. Pretty brave it. going out at that pace though. At uh, like 2.11 pace. Um, well, he ran Burnley half marathon and he was five seconds ahead of me in 65.52 this year. Yeah. Like a month ago. He, like he's, 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 he's yeah. put it on the line today. It's a hard second half. Actually, on that, we were waiting in the 10 mm. and right when the half marathon is uh, veered off from the marathon course. Half, half marathoners turn right, marathoners go up left towards the shrine yep. and up the hill. Yeah. So we were just hanging out there, there was probably six of us on a bike and two prams just on the side of the road, on the actual road, but it wasn't part of the course. And all of a sudden we see Reese Edwards belting down the, the road. And this wasn't part of the course. So so where he should have turned the left to get onto is that St Kilda road. Yeah, he's kept the, going um, down. So he's he's gone off the course. Disqualified. Um, no, well, he may have run longer, I'm not sure. Yeah. but. We thought, how how odd is that? I was standing with Collis, and Collis said, "That's not the course. Like he's out way outside where the course is." Um, so then we sort of made our way up to the roundabout where the the marathoners drop left back onto St Kilda Road where he should have gone, and there was a lady there saying, "No one's here. There's no marshals here, and these cones I think were supposed to be put out to stop people running through, but no one put them out." So she went and did them herself, which, uh, yeah, she just was standing there basically pointing at marathoners to go, to go left instead of straight. Uh, so it's interesting, like, this, the different uh, courses taken. You hate that that happens in a race like this, especially to someone who's um, trying to qualify for events. And, like, it's Melbourne Marathon, it shouldn't happen. Um, but it's actually also pretty, pretty dangerous. Like, yeah. we were just standing there, there were six of us across the road. And we were just like scrambling, pulling our bikes just to get out of his way. Uh, we thought we had really messed up because we were on the course. Yeah. But 
a second later, I went, no, this is wrong. Like, how is a runner, like, coming third in the race, got sent the yeah. wrong way? At Melbourne Marathon, this ain't like Moama Marathon. <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't happen in Moama. No, wouldn't happen. wouldn't happen. So why is it happening here? I know, yeah, you, you raise a really good point. Yeah. Beatrice Chep too won the women's two twenty seven fifty nine. Izzy Bat Doyle second two twenty eight eleven. This means two things. The qualifying time is two twenty eight zero zero. So just misses it. Is the fastest ever though debut marathon from an Australian female. And when you look at our current crop of marathoners, they all had a debut at one stage. So like she's she's tracking she's tracking well. And Yenna baby. Ijuju was third in 228.55. What'd you make of Izzy's run? Uh, Sinead still holds course record, by the way, so they, the Kenyan didn't get the course record. Yeah, let's rewind six years. Uh, like, forget about Sinead's um, like, rise through the ranks. Forget about Jess coming on, Aloise entering the marathon. Um, and we'll go back six years, maybe eight years. And let's think about a, an Australian lady running 2.28 at all. And then we consider that it was her first one. Then we consider it was at Melbourne off a month prep. The, the runner is a lot more outstanding than I think a lot of people are giving credit for today. And I think this does show that where her future lies um, in terms of the, the, the marathon. I think like give her a proper eight, 10 week prep, give her another a um, couple of years of higher mileage, which she's obviously into. Chuck her in a fast course um, with a bit, like obviously she had competition today, but like with a bit more on the line, and all of a sudden we've got another marathon that dipping down around Australia record mark. Looked like she had fun out there too, which is a good one for your first one. Positive experience straight away, so. She took like 40K mark, she went past us, and she was in third place, so she's taken second place um, in the, the last 2K, the last few splits, if you have a look, she really did start putting it down, like 320s, oh, really? um, 321, maybe a 318 in there. So she's finishing strong, and that is the sign of her future, I think. Yeah. The half we're spoken about, Jack was there, Matty Clark in second, Sam McIntyre was third, 63.49. And then the half, Jess Stenson, 72.23. Rose Davies, 74.05. Sarah Klein, Australian representative at the World Championships recently, was 74.44. And Moose, I'm sure it's one of the listener questions here. Big controversy about the half. Was it long? A lot of people think it's long. A lot of people's garments, 21.8. Strava was an interesting place uh, after, after the race today because, yeah, there was a lot of people claiming their watch times. But I think this is a legitimate... Measured course, correct? This is certified half marathon. Surely, I think so. Melbourne marathon, has yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So I'm not sure. I mean, if it's not certified, then we don't know. Could be long. Um, I, I think we trust Melbourne marathon. This is a race that we give credit to. We we sort of uh, we yeah. I'm going for it's a legitimate course. Your GPS is out. Yeah, uh, and Jess a bit. Uh, people know more about this in the room than I do. But went hard and then was stumbling. I think towards the end and in in a bit of trouble. Yeah, yeah I'm well, not sure what you saw, but I didn't see anything. Well, I saw a Strava. That's what I saw. Okay. And um, she blew up. 
like big time. So she like it hit the wall blow up in a half. Oh no! No, well she got slower. Okay. So she she at kilometer fifteen things like you can just see her graph, her, her pace graph, just slower, slower, slower. And at one point she got down to three minutes forty per k, which she was on three minutes twenty at some point. Like I know that um, there were a couple of guys running with her who ran pretty even and ran seventy minutes. Um, so. Yeah, we saw a fairly kind of steady decline after decline after 15k. It's amazing, really, that she held on. I'm not sure. Like the other girls must have had just as quick decline, or if they were in that pack, I, I don't really know. But yeah, it, I, again, and Sinead in this would have been interesting. Yeah. Um, to just to see. Always as well. Yeah. yeah, whether they could hold on or not. The the men's times were quite fast compared to the ladies. So I just, yeah, the, the ladies' results are confusing because Rose Davies in second, like you would think Rose with her pedigree, last two Zatapex, she's one, clear, like very good 10K runner, running 74.05, like she wouldn't be happy with that time. Yeah, 3.31 pace. You'd have her going quicker than that. Mm. Uh, the 10K as well happened. Uh, that was Caitlin Adams, which I said before, 32.27. Nat Rule, 33.42. Hasn't been able to convert one yet for the 10K for Nat. She got that 5K. What'd she run? 15.11 or 15.08, something super fast. Melissa Duncan in third there. And in the men's, Dale Carroll. Not a name I think we've ever said on the show before. He runs for Collingwood. He's a, yeah, bit of a bit of a rare kind of guy. No one sees much of him. And then he come out and run a really good Albert Park 10K. And then no one knows anything about him. Do you know him? I don't know him. No. Lockie Heard, though, we know him. He's, uh, we said his name a bit. He was 30-22. Then Archie Reed third in 30-22 as well. So a bit of a sprint finish there coming into the G. Jude Thomas, the Australian uh, record holder in fourth, 30-35. What do you mean Australian record holder? He uh, broke Ryan Gregson's junior, was it 3K? Yeah, I think he did. I think he did. We're going to listen to questions on Moose because we've got to wrap this up. We sat down today and we're like, no, Sinead, we are going to struggle to fill any time. And now we're talking I'd for too long. I'd say you could talk your way through. <laughs> <laughs> talking too long. Thank you. Um, Zaka has shortlisted the listener questions. So the ones we don't get to, we'll, we'll do our best to put in this week's show. Some terrible handwriting here, Zaka. Did you just pick the four worst uh, ones with handwriting? Because I can hardly read them. The first one comes from Ben. Best recovery tips post-marathon Moose. Uh, rest, don't even think about running. Like, there's a trend at the moment to, to go for runs the next day to keep up streaks or I'm not sure to impress other people on Strava, whatever. But just get off your feet. Um, go for some walks if you feel like you have to get out there. But there is no point running the, the, the few days after a marathon. Maybe seven days you can start to consider a jog. But in, in, like, in my opinion, I like to take two weeks off, like yeah. two weeks of, of, of next to nothing. Um, that's your body deserves it, and you'll be better for it. And come six weeks down the track, I can guarantee you the people that took the proper rest will be at a, a more advanced stage than those that tried to, to run the next day and keep going. Yeah, a month full recovery to get a month to think about bouncing back and spending time with all the things you don't spend time with when you're training for a marathon, and then a month to get fit. So look for eight weeks today, pick an event, I reckon you'd be ready to roll from there. Uh, the next one, Moose, should we do more training in racing flats instead of next percent and only race in the next percent so we get more of a performance benefit? 
from young Archie Reid. Archie, you can spell that, can you read that? <laughs> One of the better handwriting ones. Um, I'm not sure about it, maybe like psychologically it's probably the, the only um, consideration like where that could work because if we do train in uh, like old school flats then we will not perform as well in our sessions. So you'll have a bit more confidence when you pull on the next percent or the super shoes on the day because we know they work, we know they provide an advantage. Um, however, I think the benefits of running faster in training and the, the, the recovery benefits or the, the unloading benefits of a super shoe has more, um, has more weight in terms of what you can do during the week training wise than, than wearing the old school flats. Uh, maybe yeah, if you're very like uh, resilient, maybe you could wear the lowest, the lower flats, the old school stuff, and then put the super shoes on only on the day, and that will give you like you'll be sitting there like a king, thinking no one else has the advantage I have right now. And Strava's like all your training in the past, your workouts, um, you know you can perform better when you put those shoes on. So yeah, there's definitely the potential. That's what the that's what all the old school runners used to used to have when they used to do their workouts in their their heavies um, and only put their race shoes on for, for the day. They knew they were going to run faster. And part of that was sort of like the no ceilings concept. They they didn't know how much benefit the shoes gave them, so they could rock up and they weren't like. I think this is one of the issues right now. Maybe Archie's smarter than he looks, but <laughs> we, uh, we do all these workouts in training now and we get ourselves so specific to what we want to hit on the day, we probably limit ourselves a little bit. Um, whereas back in the day, you, you, you might train in your heavies or you're doing workouts, they adjust workouts and they're not as specific or accurate to what your race will be. So you, don't, you, you put a ceiling or you put a cap or a restriction on what you can actually do on the day. So to, to take that away, to take that limiter away or that handbrake off and that expectation away and give yourself a little bit more potential on race day, then um, I mean, that's, that's a pretty, pretty nice thought too. Two or three sessions a week for a marathon build-up from Alexandra. Um, there's a lot of ways to do this. So <laughs> there's a lot of ways to get to the marathon and like you've got Steve Monaghetti who, who's been talking a lot, 60 years old. He ran three sessions a week with a long run and he ran 2.8.16. I think Rob Dicastella did exactly the same thing. He ran 2.7 something, the Australian record. Uh, so our success in the marathon in Australia has been built off three sessions a week in a long run. But I think if you look overseas, we're seeing a lot more success with longer volume workouts. Um, if you look to the uh, new breed, I guess, like Kenya, um, some of those European coaches that, that, that prescribe training in Kenya, you'll see two big sessions with a lot of mileage in between. Um, so there's, there's multiple ways to do it. And, and those of us in Australia, we see we looked at Mona and Deke and, and Troopy, the, the two, the sub two 10 guys as our um, indicator of success or our, our path to follow and it's hard to argue against that. Um, but when we sort of raise our view a little bit and see what's happening overseas, we see two sessions a week as 
perhaps the, the current trend or the, the future. Uh, I know for someone who's working, um, have a family, whatever, getting up for two intense sessions a week is easier than three. As aging athletes, like masters athletes, I think two sessions with intensity is better than three sessions. And I think we underplay the value of higher mileage as well, which is easier to get in when we're running at less intensity. So that sort of speaks to the two sessions a week. And the last one, I'm pretty injury prone when I aim for high mileage more than, I think it's 150K. Patrick, you'll be able to tell me in a second. But I want to improve my marathon time. What would you recommend? Is that 150, Patrick, wherever Patrick is? 100. 100K. So I want to get better at the marathon, Moose. Doesn't want to get injured and be going higher than 100K. So how do you get better at the marathon? Um, well, Patrick took the first step and signed up to run stronger run, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Could be why the injuries are coming, though, Patrick. <laughs> No, he hasn't started yet. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, it's a, it's, it's a, oh, I'm going to take 20 weeks at 100K over 10 weeks at 150K that are broken up by two to three weeks of injuries and two to three weeks of missed training. So give me consistency all day long. And then you might get 100, I mean, a, um, a year of 100K a week at, at, with, with minimal injuries. That's the time to increase it. So uh, I always consider linking weeks together at lower mileage much better than a few heavy weeks at high mileage with um, question marks over injuries and, and mistraining and even just psychologically having niggles or being on the, on the verge of injuries is hard to deal with. So uh, I take, take the edge off a little bit and, and run comfortably where you can. That is listener questions. We're going to pick one out of a hat and sort of off a chair in a second, Moose. You got Moose on the loose. We're kind of done, haven't we? The course issues. Yeah, well, the course issue. There were several course issues in Melbourne this year. Obviously, we were part of it, seeing Reese run the wrong way. I don't think you ever want to see someone that sort of far up. Well, you don't want to see anyone in a ma like a major city marathon being sent off course. That's just no good. I know in the 10K there are a few incidents with the front group actually hitting pedestrians. So they take the, the run on a footpath. Um, there was like proper incidents of like pedestrians getting hit by the front group, by the, the athletes up front, which is no good for anybody. Um, so like, we hate that. Uh, also, at the start line today, just people pushing towards the front of the actual start line, then running, 4.30, 5-minute Ks as the gun goes. Like, why on earth are you doing that? Like, for what purpose outside getting a photo um, or some sort of glory? I'm not sure. But it was le legitimately dangerous. Like, uh, you, were, you were on the other side of the start line, but I was looking ahead thinking, why are these people in front? Like, we're running 3.35. We should be about four or five rows back right now, which we were. Um, gun goes. Couple of people go off running four and a half, five minutes a K. We literally run straight into the back of them. And then by us running straight into the back, everyone goes around us. We're trying to fight our way through. Just have some common sense. Like, why would you do that? That's it. Um, Moose, that brings us to, I can tell you worked up about it. I don't know why. I don't know why they do it. 
Um, what's coming up? London Marathon is going to start shortly, I think. Maybe 6 o'clock our time. Does anyone know exact? Zaka? 7.40 our yes. time. Men's 7... Women's, women's seven. first. Women's 7. Yeah. Women's 7. Yeah. <laughs> Some, something dodgy be fighting around YouTube, I reckon. <laughs> it's hard to watch our sport. Um, no Mo Farah, no Cosguy. So two big names out. So some big DNSs there. Brett Robinson and Ed Goddard, though, will be there. And Bikili. I think he could win this. Um, you had a... Uh, you had a a tipping competition on our Instagram, what was like the common theme in terms of what were the, the main guesses at? Well, I bumped into Jack Rayner in the, um, hope he doesn't mind me sharing the story because it, it didn't say, hey, say this on air, but I bumped into him this morning and I said, oh, what's Brett going to run? And he goes, oh, what about that competition? There's some savages in the comments there <laughs> doing like DNF and like people predicting that. So I, um, yeah. I, he, and then you know, he was he was he's confident Brett will have a good run if he go. He's trying to convince Brett to go through slower than I think he's gonna go. So he's hoping that yeah he goes more with the two oh five to two oh uh, sorry no the sixty five the sixty five group and maybe feel good at the end. But I think Brett's gonna go sixty four zero zero. And from all accounts, Ed is gonna go sixty four thirty pace. It's so close to go. 30 seconds yeah. over the half marathon yeah. is only 15 seconds at 10k yeah. and it's only 7 seconds at, at 5k yeah. so it's so close yeah. right like it's so easy to get caught up and could we be one big group yeah yeah Ed's not like the most don't have the best impulse control yeah. in racing and Brett either yeah um, so yeah I mean I'm really interested yeah. I'm very interested I, I I can't wait to get this on the street yeah it's going to be good yeah. it's going to be good uh, would you like to now, Moose, maybe close your eyes, walk over to the seat and then pick out one of those uh, stickers and then this person's going to come up and get a bit of... Earn one, are they picking one of these? Uh, come and see the boss up the back, the Ernie Older boss. You get, you get a discount. Not I was going to start giving them all away. <laughs> you get a top, you get a top. <laughs> Just go see the boss in the back. Oh, yes, we have the comedian here, Dave Hughes. <laughs> Where's Dave Hughes? Here is. Oh, you look like Dave Hughes. So, Dave, that was my bad on our Patreon thanks a couple of weeks ago. Sorry to make fun of your name. I wasn't making fun, it was like just putting it together. Um, that concludes our live show. Thank you to the people who bought a ticket and rocked up. We do have this venue booked for the whole, um, whole evening. I know Zach has got a whole lot of his mates coming in, the Melbourne Uni crew, a few Surf Coast Truck Club people coming in, a few Bendigo Bats are about to roll in. We did uh, tell them any time after 3.30. No one's rocked up since we've uh, ticked over 3.30. But feel free to stick around. There is food and option here as well. Um, thanks for yeah, being a supporter of the show, as I said at the start. You guys make the show come alive each and every week. Thanks for buying a ticket to something like this as well. We want to always try to make our presence felt at some of these live shows, um, like we have at the Gold Coast before. This is the first time from Melbourne. Sorry again that Sinead couldn't be here. Just, um, I don't know, getting her DMs or something. Right. And checking. <laughs> I thought it was still good. Matt Clark was good on short notice. And, um, yeah, massive thanks to the people from Concrete Boots Bar. And, and Zach, actually, I, I cut him short before, saying he just sells ads on our show, but he actually finished fourth at the Melbourne Marathon once and won the Victorian State Half Marathon Championship. So he's a quality athlete who does a lot of work behind the scenes. So massive thanks to those people who got everything sorted for us to be able to do this show and you legends for buying a ticket. So we're done. Thank you.
This episode of the Inside Running Podcast is proudly sponsored by our locals at Ernie Old. Head over to ErnieOld.com for quality running apparel made right here in Australia.